Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston. I had a really nice morning this morning. I ended up um, talking and interviewing with uh, Andrew Reinhardt, who is the CEO of Trimex. And some of you may know those uh, those particular meters. I mention them all the time in my, my seminars. Uh, but because of the time difference, he's all the way over in Ireland there, five hours ahead of me. I had to pre-record it. So the following interview is going to be pre-recorded so you won't be able to call in live however after the interview and it's about an hour long uh, if you do want to call in uh, after the interview I'll, I'll be around for taking some calls if you want to and that number is 323-870-3968 so without further yapping from me here is that interview enjoy Good evening, folks, and welcome to the 155th episode of the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston. Now, most of you that have listened to the show in the past and those of you that attended my Stone and Tile Inspection Troubleshooting Seminar know how much we harp on moisture, uh, moisture-related uh, failures uh, as far as it goes for stone, tile, uh, substrates such as concrete and wood, and part of that Detecting that moisture requires a proper equipment, and a lot of the equipment that I recommend in, in my class, one of them is the Trimex meters, and I am really proud to announce today that we are going to be interviewing Andrew Reinhardt of Trimax Limited. And let me just give him a, a little bit of an introduction before we get him here for the interview. But for almost 50 years, Trimax has been an international leader in design and manufacturing of moisture and humidity meters. Andrew is from the second generation of Trimax, and his father was the founder of the company, and so he grew up around moisture inspection in the building envelope. Trimex's heritage and innovation began with its foundation in 1974. Inspired by the experience of knowledge of building moisture inspections, Trimex invented, patented, and developed the first-ever non-destructive moisture meters. Today, Trimex continues to innovate, design, and manufacture moisture meters for building inspections to the highest standards of precision and durability in a variety of industries such as water damage restoration. Andrew has worked in the business as technical director and then CEO for more than 20 years and has given many presentations and seminars on moisture and different parts of the building envelope. So I'm going to get Andrew in here, and uh, Andrew... Are you there, Andrew? Hi, Fred. Y yes, Good morning. I am. Thank Good. you. That was a, that's a long introduction. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, uh, no so. problem. Well, good good morning to me and good afternoon to you over there in uh, in beautiful Ireland. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. It's a pretty nice day today. And uh, this is this is one of the times of year where it's nice to be in Ireland. I think uh, well, my father used to say Ireland is one of the most beautiful countries in the world when the sun shines. 
which is about two weeks of the year. <laughs> so so my, my, my next trip over there, I'm going to have to plan for one of those days, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. You gotta, well, you're coming from Florida. So just just yeah, bring the exactly. weather with you. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll try to do that. Anyway, let's get into today's interview. I'm, I'm kind of excited to get you on the line because, you know, this moisture issue that we, we have in the stone and tile industry is really – has been and always been a big problem and it's one of the biggest things i discuss in my my seminars and one of the most important things obviously is is measuring moisture and you know trimex meters is, is the one that that i like uh, it's the one i recommend for several reasons so i've got a ton of questions for you so i'm going to start right from the top and let's first talk about the proper use of moisture meters i know there's a lot of issues when it comes to moisture meters uh, and you know, not being used properly. So can we, can we briefly go over what would be the proper way to use a moisture meter? Yeah, well, there's a, there are several ways you can do it. So it just depends on the area, on the size of the – take for this instant if we're testing concrete to um, put tile over concrete, for example – we, if we have a large area to test, the first thing we want it to do is really build up what they call a moisture map, which is to take readings over the area to look for anomalies and to take measurements from different areas. So to build up a moisture map, we start taking readings in the same location. So if, if you know our concrete meters, they're sort of spring-loaded electrodes at the bottom and you push that down onto the concrete and you'll push it down maybe three times sometimes people do it up to five times in a, a single location but usually you'll see three times is enough and you and there won't be much variation but you take the highest reading and then you move to the next location and if you go by ASTM standards they the the, the aim is to take five locations in the first thousand square feet of concrete and right. then three for every additional thousand square feet so that you build up a map that way and and ideally you want to photograph those readings with something that gives the day and time in case you're asked to verify it later or with apps now there's apps we we have an app that will record all the readings in a grid so that it can be included in a report it's less bulky than than having the um photographs and the advantage of that is you, it has a geo tag on it so it will tell you where you are and it will record the date and time nice now you so, know some of the mistakes what are some of the mistakes people make with moisture moisture meters you know i've seen you know i've seen guys out there taking readings and uh you know sometimes the readings will kind of be um how how should i say this a false negative and so what are some of the mistakes people make when it comes to using your moisture meters yeah, there, well, with concrete testing, you've got you've got two levels. So first of all, with the meter itself, you're testing the moisture, and then you can drill in and do an ASTM twenty one seventy test, which is an RH test. So both are measuring slightly different um, aspects of the moisture. One is measuring the vapor, and the other is me measuring the moisture. But with the meters themselves, there's very little mistakes. I mean, there are, and I, I'm just, as I say, there's very little. Like, suddenly there's a few popping in my head. So um, <laughs> one is, if, 
it, sometimes we've seen people take breathing without pushing the meter down. So the, 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 spring, the springs are not pushed down to give a proper, because the meter is designed to be exactly the right distance from the concrete to get the best reading when it's pushed down. Um, so that's one thing. And another thing is taking readings. When you take readings, you want to be, if you're measuring the moisture in concrete, you want to be taking readings under the same conditions that you're going to install the tiles. Right. So if there is old adhesive there or old sealers that you are going to remove before installing the tile, you want to remove that before you test it as well to get the most accurate reading because an old sealer on the surface, if there is moisture in the concrete, it can show as a false positive right. because vapor can build up behind the sealer. And if there's no moisture present, it can show as a slight false negative because it can insulate the meter from the from the reading. So I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, so it, you really you want yeah. to be testing in, 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 in the conditions that you are going to be installing. And if, if there is something on there, you can always take a small piece away just to take readings. Um, yeah, usually, yeah, that's usually what we recommend is to make sure we, we prep the surface properly before we even take a reading because a lot of times you don't know what's on that concrete. So, you know, that, that's a point well taken. Now, you know, we run into uh, issues all the time in, in my particular industry when it comes to doing inspection where we can't actually get to the concrete. So, so let me take an example and, and ask how, how this would how we would go about this. Let's let's take we have a, a marble floor uh, or any stone floor for that matter. And, you know, we're dealing with material that's, you know, fairly thin, say three-eighths of an inch, and we suspect there's a moisture problem there. Will the meter give us a reading? In other words, you know, how, how deep will that reading go into the into the stone? And will it go into, you know, beyond the stone and into the uh, set material and the concrete? Yeah, well, that's a good question. There's, and I, I hope this will help the listeners if I explain it this way. You, you're, when you're pushing the meter on bare concrete, you're taking as sort of close to a quantitative reading as you can get with those meters. But when you're measuring through covering, you're getting a, qualify, a, qual, a qualified reading, I suppose is, is the way to say right. it, or qualitative, as some people say. So qualitative readings are, are often much more important than quantitative readings, and that's the reason for doing moisture mapping. But it requires a little bit of an investigative brain, I suppose, so right. with moisture, uh, you know, usually if there's a moisture issue, it will just show up in a certain location. So with your map, you will see, hang on, there's, this is, we can see what they, they often call the dry standard is, you know, what the, the expected dry level of the concrete is, and yet we have some anomalies in certain areas. Or we can get moisture that is built up all over the, all over the floor. With stone, for most stone, the density is quite similar to concrete. So the calibration right. is not actually very much different. But it depends on whether there's a sealer between the concrete and the stone. So, you know, you could have a moisture buildup behind a sealer, which could be picked up by the meter, but it's not affecting the stone because the sealer is working effectively. Right. So, you know, there, 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 there's a certain amount that you can determine and, and, and there's the good thing is to know which questions you can answer and which questions 
you're not yet able to answer, and what do you need to do further testing on? So, and you know, good, obviously, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, that's, a, that, that's obviously a good point because a lot of times with, with stone we get, uh, there's some what we call telltale signs that we have moisture, you know, for without getting too in-depth into it. You know, for example, we see a lot of white marble that will start turning yellow, and that's usually an indication of of, uh, of oxidation, which is caused by one of the factors would be moisture. So, um, you know, using a meter to determine whether there's moisture there, especially if we have that yellowing occurring in just one spot. We can do a mapping across the entire floor and say, hey, well, we've got higher readings here than we do over here, so there would be a good indication that we that we have moisture there. Uh, but that brings me to the next question, and this is, a, this is a, a topic that I've had quite a few conversations with with our friend Bob Higgins, uh, as well as others, and actually some arguments with some people, <laughs> which I'm sure you get all the time, and that is when we talk about <laughs> the RH, you know, the probe testing versus the calcium chloride test, uh, whatever you want to call that, the dome test or whatever, versus using a moisture meter. How do you see all those fitting in? Yeah, uh, well, I'll do my best to answer. That, that's, a, that's a discussion. One of the issues with that discussion I've found over the time is knowing the level of which people want to go in depth into that right. subject. <laughs> exactly. Because some, sometimes you can, lose, you can lose people with the science. Of, of, you know, um, but the basic point is that the, both the calcium chloride test and the RH test are measurements of, in, in slightly different ways. The RH test, the F, which is ASTM F2170, is a, it's, it's actually measuring what they call the equilibrium relative humidity, or ERH, if you, you can look that up, it's called ERH, or equilibrium relative humidity. Right. And what you're doing is you're drilling a hole into the concrete, you're putting in an RH probe, and you're measuring the vapor in the concrete when it's in equilibrium with the moisture. So that's, it's a way of gauging, gaining information about the concrete. Um, and then the RH test, which is ASTM F1869, I think, is measuring the vapor that's coming out of the concrete under a false condition because it's, it's using calcium chloride to reduce the humidity under the dome. So it's effectively pulling moisture out of the concrete. Right. Um, a lot of people sort of there's there's more well, it's hard to know but there's more support generally for the RH test than the calcium chloride test and I think the reason that what strikes me about the calcium chloride test is that if I do the same test when it's cold or when it's warm that reaction is going to be less or more because of the temperature so there doesn't seem to be a fact a sort of correction for temperature. Whereas when we measure the relative humidity, it corrects for temperature because if the temperature, if the temperature goes up, the RH won't be in equilibrium and so therefore more vapor will enter the air until it becomes in equilibrium. That's why we don't measure absolute humidity, we measure relative humidity, so it sort of corrects for temperature. Right. So anyway, that might be a little too much information, but basically one is measuring the vapor and the other is measuring the moisture. And right. our view is you should measure both. The, the, you should measure both. And, and actually, we would look at the RH testing differently than 
most people would because we would see it as a way of, qu- of qualifying the concrete. Um, and if I explain that a little bit more, th- there's a relationship between the moisture and the vapor, which is which is plotted on what they call an isotherm. Um, sorry, gosh, I'm losing losing it. Um, isotherm, absorption isotherm, and that right. that's that's where you plot the moisture. Now that varies. That sort of term varies depending on the alkalinity in the concrete. So, if there's a lot of alkalinity in the concrete, in other words, if the concrete didn't properly uh, hydrate or cure, you can have salts like calcium carbides. Calcium. What what are the salts? Sorry, I'm not a scientist myself. Well, <laughs> um, we have the sodium hydroxide and calcium. Yes. And uh, yeah. th- those salts can, can, can reduce the amount of vapor in the same way that a calibration check would do on a, on a humidity probe. They can reduce the amount of vapor to moisture. So, um, w- and you can pick that up if you measure both. So if you, if you see that the moisture is high and the RH is low, then that's an, a, a red flag. Whereas if you see the RH is high and the moisture is low, that's that's an indication the concrete is very good. Which is yeah, one of, it's a it's a little, it takes a bit to get your head around that, but it's different to the way people often perceive it. Well, it it, it becomes more complicated than you know than what you know, or at least our guys in the restoration uh, uh, installation industry are, are are used to, and they're unaware you know that uh, there are so many factors involved. You have the you have the RH, you have you know your um, your your moisture testing. You have what we call ASR alkali silica reaction, which gives you that high. Uh, <clears throat> the, the salts become very hydroscopic and uh, can give you false readings. But there's something else that also occurs that I'd like you to talk about, where a lot of uh, people don't take into consideration, especially in our industry, and that's the ambient uh, conditions uh, in a building. Um, you know the temperature, the humidity in the air, as opposed to the concrete. So can you address that? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point. And actually, just to your last point with the ASR, that's that's a, an extreme example of alkalinity in concrete. So, right. it, it it what it does is if you have those salts present, you'll get very high readings on a meter. So it will flag it will flag that up, but you'll get lower readings with an RH probe because right. the salt can reduce the the amount of vapor. So. Yeah, it, it, it is a it is complicated, but it doesn't have to be because there's one. I just addressed this first. There's there's two reasons for testing, you know. And most people involved in the industry are installing are looking at these two reasons in in different degrees of importance. So one of the reasons for testing is obviously to avoid the problems that can occur. Right. And to do that, we can become more and more expert by learning uh, all this information. But the other reason for testing, which is also um, important, is to get, get the warranty from the from whoever's buying the flooring in case something goes wrong. Right. And to do that, that's a more simple process because then you just do what they ask you to do and record the numbers correctly and use those numbers then to demonstrate that you've done it according to their specifications. So, you know, that's with, with our equipment where it does both the moisture and the RH, we can, we can, you, you, you can test to get all that information that you need to cover the warranty. 
then to go a little bit further, understanding how moisture is in concrete allows you to a clearer now. Or, or, or we, we we lost you there for for a minute. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, that that was unfortunate. I was actually talking through my computer, so maybe oh. that's why. But uh, can you hear me as clearly now? Or oh yeah, now, now you're fine. You're coming in nice and clear. Okay, so yeah, so I I, I don't know where I lost you actually, but um, the the, the point I was minute. making is yeah yeah yeah. So if you if you uh, understand how to avoid problems, then it comes to your question about uh, moisture from the air that you asked earlier on. So right. if we if we put it, if we set aside that we do the testing to get, gain the warranty for the for the job that we're doing, and we start to as a way of avoiding issues, we've got several questions to answer, and they're all simple questions. The first is where, if there is excess moisture, where is it coming from? So within within concrete, you've got construction water. You can have water that is there from alkalinity, that can lead to ASR, as you mentioned earlier. You right. can have water that comes from the environment. Actually, alkalinity also comes from the environment, but you can have dew point moisture, uh, or you could even have moisture from from a leak in the building or somebody even cleaning the floors using the wrong product to clean the floors. Yep. So, so there's several places that moisture can come to. So to understand where the moisture is coming from is a, also important part of, part of testing. So one of the points is environmental moisture. And basically that is when moisture condenses on a surface because the surface is colder than the dew point temperature. So a lot of people talk about dew point, and for those who hear it but don't know what it means, dew point is the temperature reading. It's the temperature at which you will get condensation. Doubt you get a lot of it, although you would get it in Florida because it's very humid. Oh, yeah. Maybe early in the mornings. But, yeah, so you'll see, like if you have a glass of water with ice in it, the the surface of the glass is, is colder than the dew point temperature. So you see water appearing on the outside of the glass, which is actually coming from the air around you. So when you're installing a floor, uh, or if you're installing tiles, I should say stone tiles, at the time of installation, even having people on site working can increase the dew point temperature because, um, you know, people breathe out vapor and add to the humidity so um if you if you if if your temperature room temperature drops below that dew point you uh, on the surface you'll get condensation so that can cause a lot of issues and i've seen i've seen many of examples of that you know in the united states here especially in florida because uh almost everything here indoors is air conditioned and uh, we get issues right. with, you know, very large windows where you get, you know, major temperature differences from the outside to the inside, in particular, almost like microclimates within an interior space, which is kind of unusual to talk about, uh, but it does happen. And then we have issues with uh, commercial buildings that might have large fountains or water features uh, in a building. And uh, that, that can definitely cause some uh, dew point issues as well. I've seen that many, many times. So it's a point point well taken. So I guess the lesson there you're trying to uh, uh, look at too is that 
and this is something I always preach is, you know, you don't want to approach the concrete or the stone or the tile, whatever surface we're talking about with blinders on. You've got to look at everything. You've got to look at the substrate. You've got to look at the tile itself, and you've got to look at the air and the environment. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and the good, a good rule of thumb is 5% RH is ideal for living in. So uh, between plus or minus maybe 10% RH. So up to 65 and no, and down to 45 is comfortable for, for all. It's comfortable for plants. It's comfortable for humans. You know, you, I, I've, I've traveled to, I was, I remember being at an ASTM meeting a few years ago in Colorado and the RH was less than 20%, you know, mm-hmm. in the room. And I could, my, I could feel everything drying up, um, you know, or if you go to Las Vegas or something, you, you find that the, the humidity gets so low that it's, it's causing you other issues with your eyes and different things. So similarly, with, for stone, it's a natural product. It likes, everything likes to be at about 55% RH, yep. ideally. Obviously, stone is more resilient but, than we are, but still. It's funny you you should mention Las Vegas and the dry air. I remember, you know, being in Florida, we're in a very humid state. So if we get wet outside when it rains, we stay wet all day. Uh, I was in Vegas a few years ago and had my window open and it, it rained, which was unusual. A car came by, splashed water inside my car and got me soaking wet. I was bone dry within five minutes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing that's when you said that that reminded me reminded me of that so you know I, yeah absolutely humidity plays a a, a major role in a, in a lot of these moisture issues especially when we're dealing with a lot of these uh, i want to back up a little bit and talk about because one of the things i find in the inspection work that i do especially when it comes to specifications and you, you probably already answered this but you know i see I get involved as an expert witness in a lot of lawsuits, and I'm involved in a very large one right now in a very, very large conference center, and the issue has come up. You know, well, we, we did we did RH readings. We, did, we put the RH probes in there, and everything checked out, and it, this happened to be epoxy terrazzo, which is very sensitive to uh, uh, osmotic pressure and a few other things. But, uh, and, they're, they're trying, and I'm trying to go through all this explanation about well, you know, RH is important, yes, but there's more to it than just RH and then getting to, you know, the, the proper way to do RH readings. And I think you may have touched on this, and maybe I missed it. Did you mention uh, the fact that uh, when you drill these holes for the RH reading, you have to wait before you put the sleeves in? I mean, the probes in? Yeah, according to uh, according to the standard, if you, if you look at, the procedure of the standard. Uh, now, actually, there is some debate over this. I've heard from people, but it seems very clear to me when I read the standard that it says you drill a hole, you wait now 24 hours, and then you insert a probe, and then you wait to take readings. And those standards, a, a lot of the research that went into those standards was based on studies done by Goran Hedenblad in Lund University. And he, he documents why you wait that 24, or, or he says 48 hours, I think, or 42 hours, I'm not sure. Or maybe 72, actually, I, I can't remember. But he, he explains the reason for that wait is not to acclimate the probe, it's, it's to 
wait for the effects of drilling because when you drill, you, you create heat yep. and you push the vapor away and it comes back. Usually, it, it, like in a wave, it comes back higher. So it's to, he, he, I think the exact word to use is to overcome the effects of drilling, or that's how it's translated anyway from right. the original Swedish. Um, so, then, yeah, so that's the reason for that 24-hour wait. Otherwise, the probes don't really need to be in there for more than an hour or two at most, you know, right? Um, to, get, to get good readings. Because now, otherwise what happens is when if initially if you put the probes in straight away, you can get a initial elevated reading. And then within 48 hours or 22, 24 hours, they will they can come back to equilibrium, but not if they saturate. So if they get to humidity saturation, then they can stay high. It's a bit like if you had condensation on the sensor, it, it, you'd have to take it out and pass air over it. Or, or if, you're in, if you're in Las Vegas, you would just take it out for a few minutes and it would dry. But while it's in the concrete, while it's in the concrete, it's like being in Florida. It just doesn't dry, you know. Right. So you can, ha you can have months where those probes just stay high because they haven't been taken out of the, of the concrete. So that's, that's one aspect of it. But you, you're, the point that you bring up, I, I mean, I, I don't, don't want to comment on an individual case, but you mentioned about osmo osmotic pressure that, that you're dealing with. And that does sound yeah. like with epoxies, it's, it's yep. very like, it, it, it's a very common issue and, and we're quite familiar with it because we deal with moisture we make moisture meters for marine surveying as well where osmosis is a big issue for mm. fiberglass hulls you know for, for grp i know and, well i've had, and it, I've had go ahead sorry yeah go, go ahead go ahead no i was gonna say i've had detailed conversations with our buddy bob higgins on osmotic pressure and how people confuse or you know osmotic pressure with hydrostatic pressure and it's like it, it, it just frustrates the heck out of me that oh you've got a hydrostatic prob pressure problem and it's like no you don't <laughs> kind of yeah that's that's problem. the assumption because yeah. when you see when you see blistering there's an assumption that the water is being pushed from the bottom up and it's it's pushing up through the creating blisters and when you think about the pressure that it takes to create that blister and you measure the even the highest level of hydrostatic pressure you could get, there's nothing, they're in a different league. There's no chance no. that hydrostatic pressure could create blistering. And then some people even say vapor pressure creates blistering, which is another miss. I mean, that's even less pressure than hydrostatic pressure. So it's, it's actually interestingly it's 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 technically hydraulic pressure causes yep. the blistering. So by by osmotic forces if you like by os, by osmosis moisture when when you have the two parts of the epoxy there's a there's an acid and there's a base that mix together and create the the, the epoxy and if there's moisture present during that mixing phase then it can it will retard that 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 process of mixing the acid and base, and the acid that gets left behind, it's usually the acid. I, I don't believe it's the base. It's usually the acid, and the base diffuses, but the acid that gets left behind will draw moisture into it through osmosis. Yep. And because because there's no physical space between the epoxy and the and the concrete, 
the, um, the, the when the osmosis is drawn into that space, it's, it creates a hydraulic pressure, which which creates a, a big blister. Yep. And that's that's a, a very common problem that is more times than not misdiagnosed. Um, and and what what's really interesting about that is it, it, it is moisture that is present near or at the surface of the concrete that is causing that problem, not moisture yep. that is deep within the concrete, because it's it's only it only occurs while the curing is taking place of the epoxy. So that's why when you do an RH test, you can drill way past that. And so if you had a dew point issue, for example, it would be moisture at the surface. And if you do your RH, you drill in with your RH probes, you're going past that surface where that moisture is, and you're measuring deep in the concrete where there may not be elevated moisture so you can miss it completely if it's a if it's a dew point issue Alrighty, folks this is a good uh, stopping point for a break i'm going to uh, take a break hang in there because we got part two coming up we'll be right back right after this thank you tough skin one of our gold sponsors marble etches and stains tough skin guarantees it will not Tufskin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tufskin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F skinprotection.com to learn more. Alrighty, folks, we're back. Uh, great conversation we're having here, uh, again, pre-recorded uh, with Andrew Reinhardt with uh, the CEO of Trimex. So here's part two. And, and that's... Yeah, and that, that's the point I'm getting at, that, you know, when it comes to some of these failures that we see, uh, I like to ask a lot of questions, and, and the questions being, okay, you know, well, let's take that one example I had mentioned with this one particular uh, case where they, you know, we took RH readings and everything is fine. Okay, I, I could have walked away at that point, and, you know, and put a check mark on that particular part of the checklist, but I don't. Uh, I stop, and, and you brought up these points. I got to ask, you know, how, how deep did you drill it? Uh, you know, there's a lot of questions. Was that RH test done according to according to ASTM standards? Uh, did you put the probe in right away? And you know, things things of that nature. So there's a lot more questions that need to be asked, you know, from an inspection standpoint than just accepting that. Okay, we did that particular test and it was fine. Yeah. Yes. You know, originally there was two standards. There was 26, or there was 2170 for the in-situ probes that you drill in. And then there was 2420, which was based on the old British standard with a box on the surface. Right. And now it was, it was too complicated a test to be adapted by the industry in general. Some people used it, but in general, it wasn't going to be adapted. So it was eventually removed as a standard and we didn't object so strongly, but our original intention was to use the two together so that right. you, can, you, you can get a differential between what's happening at the surface and what's happening in situ. And, and when that standard was removed, we started to work on, the, on an impedance probe 
so we could measure the moisture in the same hole that the RH has measured. Mm. And that way, that way we could compare what was happening at the surface what was, was with what was happening in, in the concrete. And, there, and that's to identify, is this a dew point issue? Is it a moisture issue from sub-floor moisture issue? Or, you know, and, and, and so we developed that probe, um, which became known as the determinator, <laughs> because it <laughs> determines where the moisture is coming from, you know. Right. Um, but the idea with that is that it's, it's used in conjunction with the 2170 test as a quick way to uh, see where is this moisture coming from. You know, so it's, it, 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 the, it may sound like this is adding more complication, but actually it's not. It, it simplifies no. it, greatly simplifies it. I just wish more and more installers and contractors would, would do this uh, preparation work beforehand because I see it all the time. I mean, you know, even situations with very expensive uh, flooring that, that, you know, we, we never checked anything. You know, we just assumed everything was ready to go. And so with that question, I, I want to get into a little bit more about the meters. But uh, before we get into that question, let me ask you this question. So what would your recommendation be um, for a, a let, let's say it's a, a new building, you know, whether it's commercial, whether it's residential, what, sh- what tests do you think should be done uh, on that slab? I'm assuming, we'll assume it's a slab on grade uh, type in, uh, installation before, an installer goes in and, you know, puts tile on there, terrazzo on there, or whatever. Well, there's, there's two things, and, and this actually, I think there was a point we discussed earlier that touches on. Um, when, when, you know, you want to do as much testing as will be allowed. In other words, you, you want to do it as inexpensively as possible and with as little time spent as necessary but you want to do the testing that is necessary to avoid problems so if you're doing a large commercial type of job or you're doing a multi multi um, building you know um, job if you want to test the RH and the moisture content so if you're doing ASTM F2170 you want to measure the moisture at the same time as that, either at the surface or even with the new probe that we have is, is, a, is a great addition. Not, I'm, not, I'm not pushing that at all, but, but at least the surface moisture content you need to, you need to measure. So, um, sorry, I just got a call in, so it, it distracted me for a minute. No. Um, <laughs> but, so, so, the only one, the only test that takes time is 2170. It, it's it's right. a time-consuming test because you're measuring the, you have to wait till the RH comes to equilibrium to measure it. The other tests are instant, um, so they don't really add to the time it takes for the testing. Um, if you cannot drill in for any reason, then you do definitely need your moisture readings you need and if you can't drill in you 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 better be recording your ambient conditions as well because that gives you above the floor and and at the surface of the floor of the concrete so so the idea is to do as much testing as as you can within reason so that you can get the answers that you need to get the other thing that's important is if you read in the standard f2170 standard and 1869 
they all state that the testing is only good for the time of testing, not for yep. future, yep. which is a little bit of a, a difficult one to deal with because most people, when you're doing the 2170 or 1869, it's a pretest. It's done days before to determine what products you can use or if you have to wait or so so one thing that we stress very strongly is testing at the time of install yep. so that that's that that's what we do a quick check kit for that for that in, that actually even if an in, an independent inspector is doing pre-testing that the actual installer can do a quick check and that eliminates the possibility of dew point it eliminates the possibility of moisture even moisture from a leak or ingress or something being present at the time of install. And that's the testing that it helps people avoid the most problems. So it's a, it's a quick test. You know, and you, you mentioned earlier on about restoration as well as tiling. Right. So a lot of the companies are doing restoration work. So it's interesting. People in the restoration industry are very familiar with moisture being transitory. They don't, they're not just taking a reading and saying that's what it is. Right. So, if you come along at the time of install and you've got high ambient humidity and you've got high elevated moisture at the surface, then, you know, the easy thing to do is if the humidity is low outside, then you can just get fans and open the window and dry it out very quick before you install. Or if the humidity is high outside, then you add a dehumidifier or enough dehumidification to reduce it and, you know, get it to 55% RH get it to between 70 and 80 degrees with with and then you know you can eliminate an awful lot of problems and if the moisture remains high after that then you need to seal it because it's coming up from from underneath so um, you know that's that's why we that's that's why we developed that probe that concrete probe because the idea with sealing concrete is you want to make sure the moisture is coming up. You don't want to you don't want to be sealing concrete sealing concrete where the moisture is there from dew point oh, and no. it's coming down because then the sealer is working in reverse. It's not really working for you. You know, you bring up a, a so, really good point. A really good a really good point when it comes to you know measuring the day of the install because a lot of times I see these tests are done especially in commercial buildings before the air is even turned on inside a building. So the the temperature, the inside temperature, uh, the environment is totally different than what it than it than it is in the in the operating condition, if you will. So uh, the, the, very very important. And another reason why you know installers should have their own meters as well as restoration contractors. And I you know I can sometimes count on my hand how many installers actually when you mention moisture meter they look at you like huh. You know, so it's uh, it's something that definitely that I try to do that, that you know, I, I try to educate more and more installers um, for that reason. So you installers that are listening out there, you need a meter, at least a meter, uh, RH probe as well. But uh, uh, the meters are definitely. So let's talk a yeah, little I bit think, about. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I, I think the meter is probably more important for the installers than the RH. Let, let the leave the RH testing to the installers to the um in a way i mean it can be done but it needs training it it needs training but but just to that point in the past installers used meters a lot more i think than they do now and you know a lot of the costs a lot of it is the costs um and the time factor and also the education around it you know that 
the installers need to be paid more for the for for doing the job right you know and i just i just think on that point the the the, the whoever's whoever is paying out the money when it goes wrong need to be in need to be pushing for this proper test because um you know you mentioned bob bob, bob higgins i think i think he was saying he's he's been working with companies using the system and getting huge uh, reductions in in problems yep and there's other companies i i don't want to bring other companies into it but there's other flooring companies that we've worked with big big international flooring companies that have reduced problems dramatically by using sort of a simple logic with their testing um and and that's big money i mean it it really does it, there's a lot of money spent on problems that should shouldn't be spent and testing shouldn't be just to cover people for warranties it should be there to avoid those problems absolutely so, Bit of a logic needs to be applied. So, sorry, you were you were asking, you were saying something. No, no, I I agree with that. And as a matter of fact, you know, my my comment to uh, you know why an installer is not doing that, you know, they should be doing that regardless of the cost, simply because if it if it doesn't cost them now in the beginning, it may cost them in the end. You know, when when especially here in the states, when a lawsuit is filed, they're going to be blamed. And I, I go through that almost on a daily basis with uh, you know lawyers suing installers for you know issues that occurred that that could have been avoided and you know i don't want to get into details on that but uh i agree with you 100 percent uh definitely needs to be done okay so let, let's let's switch gears and talk about the trimax meter and um I'll, I'll just put it very bluntly you know how does how does the trimax meters differ than most other meters out there um well they're designed our concrete meter is designed for concrete, I guess. Um, there have been copies of our meters over the years, but but no, nothing. We've seen nothing that comes to that level of accuracy that that the meter can can give you. Um, most moisture meters are usually designed for measuring moisture in wood, right. sometimes for measuring moisture in grains for alco- for agriculture, and then they're applied applied to building the building envelope but we've we've designed our meters from the beginning for the building envelope so we have meters for different um you know we have a a big big huge meter for roof for flat roofs called a deck scanner we have a bunch of meters for eaves we have meters for concrete and and we have a general purpose meter which i'm sure you're familiar with the new i think it's the, the 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 code is the me5 Yep. which is a um, a meter that has a dual depth. And and when you mentioned earlier on, I, I was going to say it, but I think I got cut off at that time, when you mentioned about checking on stone that's already installed, that dual depth meter is pretty good because it gives you a very shallow depth reading and then a right. much deeper reading. So you can see, you can get a good indication of what is happening in the tile itself, and then you can get a, an indication of what's happening behind it at the same time so it it will if there's a much lower reading in the tile and a much higher reading behind it it can give you an indication that there is a sealer that's working there you know anyway now, I, th- so, I think you may have met, i think you may have mentioned this before um and that is you know uh, 
sealers on the top of a, a, a surface like tile or even concrete or whatever, that, that can interfere with that reading, correct? Did I hear you correct when you said that? I was thinking of the sealer between the concrete and the tile. So sometimes okay. people will put down a... Right. Um, but the sealer on the top, yeah, it, it's... I mean, if there's moisture that's coming up through the concrete and it's entering the tile and there's a sealer on top, it can it could hold it back and you could the, the tile could just build up, the moisture could build up. And as you said, you can get discoloration and other things. But I'm I'm not an expert on on stone tiles um like you are so you would you would see the problems more you mentioned discoloration which is something i'm familiar with i imagine other problems include the adhesive breaking down sometimes the adhesive won't if there's water present the adhesive won't cure it won't set properly in the first place and it remains a bit like it's been left in the jar if you like or some people describe it like mayonnaise um and then other things if you have alcohol if you have alkalinity in the water, so then the adhesive can break down from the alkalinity. We, we've seen that as well, where yep. the, it eats away the adhesive. Interestingly, I'm not sure if you know Peter. I'm sure you know Peter Craig. I, I, I yep. remember him talking about, he gave a really good uh, analogy of, or, or not analogy, but description of what happens with why you get the alkalinity at the surface of the concrete and, and that is because the the aggregate and the sand is more dense than the salt so while the initial concrete when the concrete is initially poured the salts will tend to rise up to the yep. surface compared to the other things so that's another point if you have that issue you can and you're drilling in to do an rh test you could actually drill past it and be measuring below that alkalinity problem you know so anyway, they're all things to consider. But uh, now yeah. on your meters, you know one of the one of the things that uh, we run into a lot uh, with uh, stone surfaces, as well as brick surfaces and some other masonry surfaces, is is the salt issue, the efflorescence issue. And um, one of the things that I used to do, and I don't know if this will work with your meter or not, but I'm going to tell you what I do, and you can tell me what you think. And I guess it depends on how the meter works, which I want you to explain that in a, in a second. Uh, but a lot of times I can take a, a a piece of rubber, for example, and I can put a drop of distilled water on that rubber, and I can take a reading. And let's say I get a reading. Let's say I'm using a 0 to 100 scale, and I can get a reading of 85, for example. And then I'll take uh, a drop of another drop of distilled water, and I'll place it on the stone, and I get a higher reading. It usually indicates the presence of some kind of salt. Would you agree with that, or am I doing the right thing there? Yeah, I, I, I you mentioned rubber in the beginning, and then stone the second time. So you, so you're saying the water will give one reading, but it gives a higher reading in the stone. Is that is that what you if, the if, same if drop? Salt, if salts are present. So in other words, if I I took a reading on that rubber of just plain distilled water, and then I took the same reading on that same rubber with, with salt water, would I get a higher reading? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I actually, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I, I, so normally the salts will attract water to it right. from the air. I, like, I, I mean, if you're familiar with having Epsom salts or something, they're usually yep. soaking wet. Um. 
And so you get a higher reading because the moisture is there, but it's there because of the salt. Right. Um, so whether the salts themselves, it, there, was an, there was an ASTM publication. I, I, I hope this helps. I actually can't find it at the moment. It seems to have been removed. Um, but there was an ASTM publication which described how to measure moisture in concrete and gave all the different methods. It was a very good one. And, and I, I have to look through an old computer to see if I can find it because I, um, I was looking for it recently and couldn't find it online. But anyway, mm. that, that, what it said is that the dielectric constant, which is the conductivity, the dielectric constant of water is about 80 times that of all the, of all the different constituents of the concrete. Right. And, and so that, that would give you an idea of, of how the meters can work effectively because of, with all the variables that are there in concrete, such as the, the sand, the, the aggregate, the, the cement paste, everything, the, the actual dielectric constant of water is about 80 times that. Now, I, I would say salts would, would have a higher dielectric constant than the other materials, but water is the one that has the, the highest, apart from metal, which is considered to have an infinite dielectric constant. So just think of dielectric constant means conductivity. Right. You know, and that's why if you, if you hit metal, you get an off-the-scale reading because it, just, it's, it's, it has no uh, resistance to the moisture. So, yeah. Yeah, I had an interesting thing happen on a, uh, uh, so many years ago on a piece of stone that was giving me unusually high readings. Uh, that <clears throat> didn't make sense to me, and I discovered there was a there was a sealer on this particular stone. And when I, I'm saying sealer, I'm talking about a coating on this. So I, I ended up finding the um, the type of coating that was used, and discovered that this particular coating uh, was was made with what they call metal interlock finish. So it actually had metal in the in the finish itself, which was kind of interesting. And I, I I concluded that that was probably why I was getting the false reading. That yeah, makes sense? yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. That, that's a rare one for me. We, yeah, we come across rare. that in 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 marine uh, in in the in boats in hulls of boats. They use um, copper antifoul, ah. and and you know actually interestingly, a lot of the copper antifoul doesn't give you those false readings. Only, only some of the really good ones <laughs> do, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and the, the reason is they don't use enough copper in this anymore. They use less and less copper. I guess they've they've improved their way of making the making it so they can use less and less. But on the back of those meters, the two meet the two electrodes are the that read the moisture are separated, and whatever to, to get a reading whatever it is that's conductive has to cross those two electrodes and that eliminates a lot of studs and different small you know um you, you know small pieces of metal right because they they actually have to cross so similarly with it depends on the concentration of the metal whether there's enough concentration to create a link across and if there is the reading will just go off the scale it will be fully off the scale the other, the other place that we've seen it, I, this is an aside, I'll just mention it to you, but the other places in some types of roofing where they use carbon in the, in the roof. So mm. um, EPDM roofing has, has uh, some carbon in it, I think. 
that creates that reading. And again, it's the only the old types that give the false positives. And a lot of the new ones don't at all because they, they're using less and less carbon. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That reminds me of some of the uh, in the 1960s, they, they built a lot of condos here on the coast in Florida and the rebar uh, in the concrete was placed very near the surface. And uh, yes, it, it was a big issue. We get a lot of what they call iron jacking, et cetera. But that's another whole topic. <laughs> but, yeah, there was a there was some disaster there recently. Was I don't yeah, know Miami, was the, yeah, Miami, yeah. a whole building collapsed. <laughs> Uh, yes, I remember 90, that. Yeah. It was sad. Shocking. 90. But, you know, one of the other things I wanted to mention, too, that I think is important, you know, we talked about installers. I also want to mention that, you know, every restoration contractor out there, you know, particularly you flooring guys out there, really need to have a meter. And this is something I preach all the time. And, and here's the one reason why, and you can agree or disagree with me, and that is when you're sealing stone, and we use sealers, and I'm not talking about topical coatings now. What the stone industry generally uses is what they call impregnating sealers, that they penetrate into the surface of the stone. And yeah. for that reason, uh, that stone has to be dry. So it's extremely important that you know you take a meter and measure and make sure you're dealing with a dry stone before you apply the sealers, because if you don't, this, there's going to be moisture in those pores of that stone the sealer's not going to take in those particular areas. And a lot of times that's why we see those particular type of failures. So would you agree with that? Yeah, very much, very much. And and actually uh, sort of something that I've picked up over the years, which as, as maybe secondary to what is specified by the manufacturer in terms of measurements of moisture, but one thing for the restoration people, if they can create an envir- a drying environment in that in that airspace where the where the floor is or the where the concrete is stone is I should say right and take measurements from us using a, even a concrete meter is pretty good for that take measurements yep. of the stone so they make sure the RH is low enough to dry effectively they make sure the temperature is the right temperature um, then they 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 should see the stone drying out. And so they're looking at the delta. So they can come along, take a reading, a day later, take readings. And as long as it keeps drying, they can continue till it stops drying. Rather than look for an absolute number, they should be looking at the delta. And interestingly, a a good friend and mentor in the industry, Mickey Mickey Lee, I I don't know if you know Mickey Lee in the restoration industry. I, I've but heard he's, his name very, he's involved in the commercial drying, but he did a really good study, a really good study on drying concrete. And now uh, he did it in his role within a large company, so I'm not sure if it's for public consumption or not. What, what uh, you know, what I, what I took from his study was he 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 checked all the variables for drying concrete. And um, what he found was air movement is good, but only moderate air movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, dehumidification is very effective, and temperature is effective, but only moderate temperature. So if you have too much air movement and too much um, too too high a temperature, the surface can dry out dramatically and and stop the flow of moisture coming out. That was from through the concrete. The only the only the only place, the exception to that rule is if the moisture is, is, 
is from uh, dew point, so it's surface moisture. In which right. case, blasting air over it usually just dries it off. That makes sense, quick, though. You know? Yeah, that, that makes so, sense. So, that makes if sense. You, so if you can create a good drying environment and then you see that the tiles are drying, then that's the best job you can do. Is just it, it may take a few days or something to, to, to till there's no change over a period of time, and then that's when you seal it. Absolutely. You know, that, that would be the best job if you can do it that way. It depends. Um, there's always limitations with time and yep. materials and we, other issues. That's, but that's what separates the best from the average. All right, so let's talk about specific meters. Let's take, um, you know, the restoration and installing type guys. Uh, of all your meter models, which one would you recommend and what are the differences? Well, the moisture encounter, the ME5, is a, is a sort of general purpose meter designed for building inspection. Now, ultimately, it's designed for finding the source and extent of moisture. Plus, but when you use the shallow depth on it, it actually gives a very good measurement of moisture because it reads a very small area. Um, so it's a, it's a really good general purpose meter. If, if, you're, if you're installing on concrete and you want to test the concrete before you, um, you know, a quick test before you install, um, at time of install, then the concrete meter is, is the best because it's it's it overcomes some of the issues that you get from the surface of the concrete being pot, being um, very dense and smooth. Um, so they're they're the main meters that people will use, I think, for for restoration for for, for that type of thing. And then in in the, they come in kits with all the additional testing if you want to do F twenty one seventy or whatever testing you want to do as well. They will also work with the pin meter, pin probes, to get your wood WME readings or your, your pin readings. Um, so that they, they would be the main meters, I think. You might okay. know, you might be able to help me more than that, with that because uh, I don't yeah, know what, I, I agree. what you Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Those, those are the meters I would recommend. Now, also, uh, these meters now have an app, uh, that uh, connects to your phone, I believe, correct? Yeah, yes, yeah. The app is great, actually. It's very what, – what's, what's good with the app is it's continuously being updated because we, we, we did it in-house. Um, so we, we can add reports in very easily if, if, if people want a particular report. And we're adding in the reports for 2170 and other things. So there's an ongoing um, development of the app, which is it's it's very good. And we've we we've just launched our new um, remote monitoring system, which uh, actually I, I, you know oh, wow. probably not the time to d- discuss it here. But that's why we've been king a lot on the on that over the last. Um, six months or, or, or so it's been a sort of marathon to, to get it done there's a lot of there's a lot of logistical problems at the moment with components and other things so we've had to re- go back to the drawing board just to redesign mm. around available components but but it's it's a fantastic system we've been working on um but they all tie into we have this 
cloud, which we don't charge anybody for to use, that they can store, share reports and share readings and other things. Oh, and nice. you know, as as we develop it, we, we feel like we can tie in with other other apps and other products out there to to sort of feed the information from one to the other. I love that. That's okay. great. Now, also for us old guys that don't like getting on our knees anymore, uh, <laughs> you also have a, uh, I don't know what you would call that, like an extension or something where you don't have to bend <laughs> over. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh. We, we, that's in-house, that's known as the Roland Vieira. <laughs> I don't know if you know Roland from, from he's out in Silicon Valley, but he's a flooring inspector and a good friend. And, uh, he asked me one day, you know, could you ever just do something to stop me having to get down on my knees all the time? Hey, really? <laughs> do the testing. You know? So I said, well, you know, save getting on your knees for church. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, so, it, so uh, yeah, so it, it's actually, a, it's a really nice addition. It just clamps onto any of the meters and then you can just walk around. That, that way you can do a moisture map very quickly. Um, and you've got the reading showing up on your phone as you go so you're just tapping them into your phone so you don't even have to bend down to look at the dial if you want um so yeah it works nicely and that's nice too because it keeps a running total for you i remember back in the old days we would have to take out a piece of paper and you know write down the readings and we don't have to do that anymore which is really a time saver and i like that yeah it also it, it, it also saves you know it it's it works in in other ways as well because um, you know, we you mentioned earlier on about the problems we have with using the meters. Well, there's also a problem with the users of the meters sometimes where, yep. you know, companies are trying to use the data, like for a flooring, a, a, a manufacturer is trying to use the data that they're getting from the person doing the testing. And you can see they just they just made it up afterwards, you know, because of the numbers they give don't match. Right. What they should be, you know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying in all cases, but in a lot of cases, you know. With, oh yes, yeah, I measured it, and it was reading this, you know. Yep. So this way, you have the time and location and the readings recorded. It it does make it easier for for uh, getting the testing done right. I like that. All right. Well, well, Andrew, this has been a wealth of information. Um, you know, some great information. We're going to have to have you back again and explore some of these other issues a little bit more more deeply. Um, uh, your website is uh, trimex. dot com. Is that correct? Uh, trimex meters m m e t e r s meters. dot com. Okay. I advise anybody to go there, take a look at all they have there. A lot of uh, I, I was actually been on that website a lot, and I was on it just before our interview. So a lot of good information, a lot of good articles there too. Uh, as well, I would highly recommend that uh, you guys check out. So any last-minute thoughts before we say goodbye? No, I, I appreciate the um, I appreciate your knowledge as well of it. Sometimes it's it's it, it's hard to discuss these things when you have to go right through all the all the basics of it. So I appreciate that as well. No, no problem. And uh, you know, yeah, and and I want to I want to talk to you about this concrete probe as well in in the future, maybe. Sure. Get some testing done to see how we if we can find the right application. But uh, but I think for stone tiles, the important the really important part is the t the surface of the of the concrete. You know, yep. measuring the moisture in the surface of the concrete. And uh, 
should 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 be done more. <laughs> right. Okay. I think that's I agree, it. Andrew. Thank you. And hey, give me a call anytime. Um you know, let's discuss some of these other other issues and um I'll send you the link to this podcast so you can uh, broadcast that out there. Thank you very much. Appreciate right, thank it. You. Appreciate okay, your time. Bye bye. Alrighty, folks, uh, we are back live, and that was a great interview. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I hope you guys learned a lot. Uh, this is something that I discuss quite a bit in our uh, uh, inspection and troubleshooting class. So that is coming up next year. It's going to be in Las Vegas, February 6th through the 9th. I'm already getting people signed up. I limit the class size. So if you guys want to attend that and learn a lot more about stone and tile inspection and troubleshooting, you need to get into that class. So uh, <clears throat> go to my website, which is stoneforensics.com. Check out the training tab there. It will give you all the information. Or just simply send me an email at fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. And as always, if you have any questions uh, concerning Anything that we talk about on this show, just drop me an email, fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. So until next time, thanks for listening. Keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. <laughs>